Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, show where we're talking about timeline of all sci-fi and fantasy, starting from way back in the golden age of Disney. I'm Lindsay, and I'm here with my brilliant co-host, Scott, who I believe is going to educate me a little bit on today's episode. I also, Yeah, first, hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I You know what? Honestly, I love classical music, and this movie is... A hundred percent why like this oh my god I'm so obsessed with this movie but I'm not really like that's what's so weird I don't know I'm <laughs> I just love the music in this music I'm glad to hear that and I and I noticed this in your notes and I really like I want to I mean jump right into it basically and ask you Scott yeah. why is Fantasia like why? Like why did it exist? Yeah like, what is who, why, why? what even is happening? I mean I think I yeah, it's this this movie is weird coming back into this and watching it in the timeline and seeing where it sits and what's going on. I mean, yeah. why is Fantasia? I mean, I mean, so let's let's contextualize it a little bit, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we're one year into World War well, II. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I forgot where we were. I was like trying to find my notes. I was like, I'm oh, like, shit. yeah, let's start cuz um, that's what yeah. that's why I ask why. Is like like watching this movie cuz this is a movie that I've seen more recently than a lot of the others, but actually mm. going back to it in context, I'm like, what was going on that this got made? Yeah. So, the year is 1940. Um historically, uh the world is a year into World War II. Um, but the film was already in production, like, I think by 38. And, like, for history buffs that know, bear in mind, the United States is still not in the war. We we still have a whole nother year until we're actually, like, you know, physically involved in the war. Um, the crazy thing about this, too, is in its track record of like Disney films. This is the first Disney film that was not the top grossing film of that year. That was actually Pinocchio, um, which I get, you know, they're the same year or whatever, but the Oscar winner that, wait a minute. Yeah. This is what I was going to say. The Oscar winner this year is gone with the wind and how that is not the top grossing film of 1940. I don't know. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all looked at this like more than once like back me up and, and google it to double check me but i i looked at this more than once and unless i'm crazy somehow it made more money than gone with the wind and you know we've we've said everything um, we need to say about pinocchio but holy shit oh my god yeah uh yeah it was so actually it was a tie okay it was pinocchio and fantasia for top grocers that's ridiculous yeah, let me pull the 1940 top grossing films. Uh, While you're doing that, I'll say it's uh, we are in Disney's third movie after Pinocchio, Mm -hmm. before Dumbo, and we're in the Golden Age. Yep. And uh, just a little spoiler, or not spoiler or whatever, but just a heads up for everybody we will not be covering Dumbo. (laughs) PSA. Yeah. No one had any interest in Dumbo. <laughs> there's, oh man, there, there's so it just if you are here, that means you made it through the Pinocchio episode, and 
there's enough shit going on in the Pinocchio episode. I don't think I could emotionally or mentally handle Dumbo. No, I think. But also, it just it's such an unnecessary movie. It is. It's bad in every way, and I think we're just going to pull out the temp pads and skip right along and keep moving. I fully yeah. agree. Um, okay, so for statistics, that year, Pinocchio made $52 million. Gone with the Wind made $28.6 million. What? And Fantasia made ten point four. Gone with the Wind is like the biggest deal thing that ever happened in cinema when yeah. it came out. So that really blows my mind i i do think that the like in 41 i think gone with the wind might have had it maybe it still was in theaters at that like moving into 41 yeah. but that's it's absolutely wild that uh that pinocchio outgrows gone with the wind and i think it that just speaks to the context right of where we are in this timeline of that's <laughs> what animation meant yeah. to audiences it made that much more money well than, yeah than Gone with the Wind. I think that's the I think that's the big takeaway from it is this was Gone with the Wind. People had seen movies like that. Granted, there was there had never been a movie like Gone with the Wind. That movie is massive. is three hours long. Oh my god! It just, <sighs> mom. I'm sorry. It's my mom's favorite movie, but sweet Jesus, like. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever need to see that movie. I again. really, really loved that movie growing up, and without a lot of context and understanding about it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I, it was. I used to watch it when I was homesick because it was so long, and you could put mm. it on, and it was like every time I was sick from school, I would watch Gone with the Wind, and I loved it. But, uh, but yeah, yikes! In in every yeah. way, and also I also don't want to sit down and rewatch it. Like I get that, but but yeah. it is worth noting and talking about for a second because Gone with the Wind was really the first big fan event in cinema. Oh right? yeah, like Absolutely. that was today's mm -hmm. that was like Endgame today. Going to Gone with the Wind, people yeah. were losing their shit to see Gone with the Wind. The casting yeah. it stuff, huge. it was insane. Yeah, it was. And like I get it, it's a it is I can't say it's a bad movie because it isn't. It and I think when all the streaming services came out and they I can't I, I think it's Peacock. HBO Max. HBO mm -hmm. Max. Okay, yeah, HBO Max has Gone with the Wind, but they have that like 10-minute intro that explains basically the same thing that the Disney Plus cultural and sensitivity message says, but it's in a much more refined and honestly just very well done explanation. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm yeah, done with moving on. I don't care about that. Either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna, I want to circle back to your your question, which completely caught me off guard. Why is yeah? Fantasia? Why is Fantasia Scott? Please um, tell me. <laughs> so you have to remember, like Disney was still experimenting with stuff, like the whole scene with the soundtrack and showing wavelengths or like lyrical or audio wavelengths on you know on scene using it like as a cartoon and making the character like no one had ever done that before and disney basically used it as like an experiment to allow his uh animators to just like explore stuff one of my favorite facts about this movie is he gave uh he gave the animator animators a hundred percent free reign that. He let them choose any colors that they wanted. He he did not restrict them in any way. And I think a big part of it was they had just come off of Pinocchio. They just come off of Snow White. They were still doing like Silly Symphony and um, all that stuff. 
but they were starting silly symphony was starting to like slow down died off they were also making the world war ii films um right those would have been in production at this point okay yeah so he wanted to give like the majority of his animators like something simple and you know which absolutely 100 percent is not uh a simple movie like the motion and the animation in this movie is is top notch Mm -hmm. but um it just was kind of like an experiment and disney was a classic music lover like he at the time like you know everybody had the radio we didn't have spotify we didn't have itunes or cds or anything like that so you listen to what was like provided to you and it was still a very popular like musical genre at the time so um yeah it basically was just an experiment for the disney animators to like run free and you know unloosen their tie a little bit and i think like that was kind of my biggest takeaway from going back through this movie was walt was a madman Disney didn't give a fuck. Like, they were out there, like, not making their money back right now, right? Like, Snow White made money. Pinocchio did not make money. And even though it was the top grocer, right, which I think is really fascinating, and I had to, like, look into this of, like, how is that possible? Because these days, if you're the top grossing film, you made your money back. You made a profit, right? That's a Mm -hmm. given. And that's not what was happening here. And, and is not what happened with Fantasia. They did not make their money back. No. And so, but they didn't give a fuck. They took such a huge swing. And maybe it's not that big of a swing. Maybe in 1940, people weren't like, what what is happening? Because I, I yeah. put this on and I'm like, who is this for? Like, and I love it. Don't get me wrong for the audience. I'm not here to hate on Fantasia. I fucking love Fantasia. And yeah. what who and why is Fantasia like it's just it's how did they make this like it was it clearly wasn't for kids there's 10 minutes in this before we even see animation oh yeah well that's the thing like I mean we're gonna get like animation but the there are there uh, it's crazy because almost every piece in this film is adult themed yeah like there, the, dude. We discuss religion. We discuss mythology. Uh, evolution. You're totally right about that. It's crazy, and like you're absolutely right. There's there is no target audience for Fantasia. It's just out because there. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just it's in the world, and I think that's <laughs> that's what's really funny to me is at the very beginning of this movie. the music the piece starts off like really well and you have deems taylor like introduces himself and everything um and then um strakowski comes out and he starts you know leading the orchestra and everything and at first it's really nice you've got a couple really nice flutes you've got some nice strings and then out of nowhere he's like i'm gonna make this as ominous as living fuck (laughs) and just goes And you're like, holy shit. And then for no reason at all, they throw this red accent light on Strakowski. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, what are we like? What is this? Where, where are we going? What is That's happening what right I now? Said. It, honestly, like, <laughs> oh, it, it was crazy. And then it evolves into, well, he made a comment that I thought was really weird. He was like, when we get to the part where it's the four seasons and they use the dance of the sugar plum mm-hmm. fairies from Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker, mm-hmm. he makes a comment about how at the, and I had to remind myself it was 1940, not like today, 
but he was like the nutcracker was very unheard nowadays it was very unpopular and i'm like what the fuck dude because when i was a kid almost every christmas season my family would go see the nutcracker ballet Me too, which i thought was a yeah, funny like, thing that we had in common that we hadn't talked about <laughs> yeah. right? but it was in, it was in both of our notes or it was in your notes and i thought of it um that's yeah. hilarious i actually didn't know that i haven't really met anybody that's that's so Every funny. Every single I, Christmas, we would go to the Nutcracker, and I I grew up on the East Coast, so we would go to New York City often and go see it with the New York mm-hmm. City Ballet, and it was so great. And my sister's husband took her last year. I think it was last year, or the year, yeah, probably year before, probably not in COVID. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the year that wasn't. Yeah. I don't think anything was. Nah, going on year before year. that. Um, but and it was so exciting because we hadn't been in so long, and she was so stoked that they went and saw it in New York. And yeah, I used to love going and doing that every year. And that also stood out to me a little bit. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> we all know the yeah, Nutcracker. I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I knew the Nutcracker. I knew who Tchaikovsky was. Um, from like a very young age and it was just really weird to me and a lot of people don't actually know this um or if they do like no one really ever talks about it Tchaikovsky actually also wrote Sleeping Beauty um so all of the music that's used in Sleeping Beauty is variations of Tchaikovsky's original work I'm making a really specific face right now like what (laughs) (laughs) that's ridiculous it's yeah I'm dead serious that's crazy he he wrote Sleeping Beauty he wrote Swan Lake um and obviously Swan Lake is arguably his like most enduring and infamous piece but sure I mean you tell me I don't know (laughs) I'm here uh, I'm here to learn when it comes to this stuff I that is not my relationship with Fantasia (laughs) no you're good (laughs) I mean it when I was a kid it wasn't either I just knew Tchaikovsky and I was like oh Nutcracker that's dope but I was like, where's the part with the dinosaurs? That's all I really fucking care Man, about. Are we ever going to get there? <laughs> I, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, it, like I was saying with Strakowski uh, at the beginning, he just gets bathed in this weird red light and it just becomes this thunderous bass line of like ominous music and I think that's where the tone kind of gets set for the film where it's like, oh, you thought this was like a nice, soothing, wild or like, you know, enjoyable ride. Fuck you. We're going through Greek gods, dinosaurs and the undead. Right? Like, in- <laughs> buckle your pants because we're here. We hold go. on to your butts. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> and the first official thing, like the four seasons, which we start with Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker is I guess that's the first piece. But, I mean, yes, and right. There's the introducing yeah. music before that, right? Briefly, yeah. But yeah, the Nutcracker is the first thing that we really do. But I don't think that starts for like straight up a half an hour. Like, I want to call attention to the fact that this is longer than any of the movies we've looked at so far. It is over two hours long, just just over two oh. hours. And oh, yeah. fuck, does it ever feel like it? Like it's like twenty so, minutes before we get to the Nutcracker. I think. I think it might be. I think by the time... Yeah, it's about 15 to 20 minutes by the time we even get there. Um, And it's really funny that you bring that up because if you didn't see it in my notes or you weren't already aware, to this day, Fantasia is the longest animated Walt Disney picture. Which is crazy. Like, longer than any of the Pixars, Mm -hmm. none of them. Because it's only two hours and five minutes. No, no, animated. 
Oh, so not, not CGI. CGI. So okay. like like Princess and the Frog, okay. Sleeping Beauty, Beauty okay. and the Beast, okay. stuff like that. Because what's funny is we go from this, and then the very like not the very next, but for us the very next film is Bambi, and that movie is barely 70 minutes and long. i have to correct both of us on bambi because and i was going to say this in the bambi episode but whatever because either way we're not doing dumbo dumbo actually is shorter by about 10 minutes are you serious yeah. dude it just makes me even happier that we're me not too i was like and like, triply <laughs> i don't want to watch dumbo so hard For fucking real. pass but yeah so apparently dumbo is actually the shortest one and and also probably like the worst i'm gonna go ahead and say because we're skipping on by that but but this Uh. bitch is two hours and five minutes i think like it goes Mm -hmm. on but i'm kind of like don't want to fast forward like it was weird like there were moments where i was like cool let me skip ahead to like the next thing or on to like into the nutcracker but then i was like no actually Mm -hmm. i'm into this and i'm like kind of like getting into it and staring at it and i don't know i guess i I really like to get high and watch Fantasia. Let's just make that clear in the onset of that. Yeah. That is my relationship with Fantasia. And that is no, what and I did. It totally fits that yeah. bill. It's <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, uh, it's the speed racer of our young generation. Yeah. If you didn't see the live action speed racer, I highly recommend I you not. see it. It's so fucking stupid, <laughs> but it's so good. And the score is really good too, but whatever. Um, any hoodles, so, yeah, the of all the things, obviously, we have to start with the Sorcerer's Apprentice because yeah. not only is this like the flagship of the film, but this literally gave Mickey his most iconic and most used image or like version. And not even that. No other like- version of Mickey is used in any other parade, fireworks show, uh, toys. All of that stuff, like it's Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey is the prime Mickey. And deserves to be. And he's the one at oh, yeah. MGM, now Hollywood Studios, like the big Mickey statue is is this Mickey. Mm-hmm. And not only is Sorcerer's Apprentice Mickey like the most iconic look for Mickey, maybe even over his standard outfit. I think, I think yeah. over his standard outfit. But it's also the first time that we see Mickey drawn like this, which I think is interesting. So- yep. Way back in our Snow White episode, we were talking about Steamboat Willie play, as played by Mickey, right? This like meta thing mm-hmm. where Mickey Mouse, despite being a character no one had ever met, was just cast as Steamboat Willie, which is like, I guess makes sense. And they do the same thing here. Yeah. It's like, all right, like Mickey Mouse uh, to this point has had very few like of his own stories. <laughs> like he just is. Well, like, I was thinking about it when when you sent me that note about like, oh, shit, this is like the first time. He's ever been like, an, I, you know what's crazy? Mickey Mouse does not have his own movie. Right. I put that in my notes. He is not the star of his own film at any time. He is in in any way. He's in things like some of the wartime stuff that we're gonna kind of temp pad our way through. So there's like yeah. I think like Mickey and the Beanstalk or whatever is in there or the Mickey and the Magic. Yeah, Bean. he gets a lot of like television shows like Mickey's Christmas or like the Three Musketeers or Mickey and the Beanstalk yeah. and he's but even the wartime movies are split he, up right they're not they're like divided yeah, it's like are. he gets like a 15 minute short inside of this movie so even when he's in yeah. theaters it's not really his own thing 
I don't know why. It's unfortunate. I know. I, I mean, I get it. He gets referenced in a ton of other movies. Like, he even has a cameo appearance in Roger Rabbit. Hmm. But, well, so does Bugs Bunny. Like, tons of characters. Tons of animations do. But... <sighs> This is also one of the, this is the only instance in the entire movie where the story came before the music. Yes. So the music was actually used or made specifically for this story. And I think that's really cool. And I also think it was a way for them to tell this story without making it a full-length movie cuz how the hell do you do that? Oh, wait a minute. They did do that as a live action movie. I forgot about that shit with Nicolas Cage and Jay Barrow. This is a live action. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, it's a great Shut movie. Shut up. Actually. All right. Oh, my God. Are you for yeah, real dude, right now? Send this to me. What? Dude. <laughs> what? It's so All good. Right, send that, send that to me so immediately. Funny. I don't know how I didn't watch that to prepare for this episode. Like, that's. I Well, because I made the note that this is, that this is an adaptation. Because I was going to say, you know, you know, Disney strikes out on their own. But no, Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is the most story-ish of the sequences in Fantasia, um, is an adaptation of I guess the Sorcerer's Apprentice which like I didn't even I, I know nothing about it except that it exists but mm-hmm. but yeah the music written for it and I will say my favorite thing with the Sorcerer's Apprentice though there's a there's two songs that if you play them back to back over the actual audio here sync up and it's absolutely insane and it is one of those like get high and watch Fantasia things are yeah, you serious? it's That's so awesome. sick, and I believe that it is. Um, I, I'm blanking on the actual name of the song, but it's the song from like ten years ago. The blame it on the ADD. You know that oh. song? Oh yeah! I, damn it! I can. Uh, I'm so bad with songs. I am man. too. Oh, AWOL Nation, sale. Okay, okay, so if you play yeah. that song first, and then cue it up in a playlist to play "I Can't Stop," which I think is Tiesto, after it. Yeah, and the lyrics line up, the tone lines up, like the beat lines up. It escalates with That's it, amazing. and I'm gonna say, like, it might again. This is a get high and watch Fantasia thing. So full disclosure, like, I don't know what this looks like <laughs> sober, but I can tell you that that is something I have done a lot, and that is how I most often have rewatched Fantasia, which is just a great fun fact and recommendation that for our so adult fantastic. listeners in legal states, which <laughs> I am. So please enjoy if, if you share that yeah. with me. <laughs> that's that's hilarious and i love when shit like that happens like it just works out perfectly i didn't know that i didn't see that anywhere like well, when i was when i was watching this or like looking stuff up because it, it's mine because it came from the fact oh that, it's yours oh yeah, shit because something that i did not infrequently in like grad school um was you know if we had people over and we were drinking or hanging out or whatever that we would put on old disney movies and put them on mute Mm-hmm. And uh, and put on our own music, and Fantasia is the best one to do that too. And a lot of the like all Hercules is another great one to do that too. Oh yeah, my God. anything that's got a lot of singing and dancing, but Fantasia obviously is like the one to do that with, right? Because it's all singing and dancing, and it's amazing what you find that lines up. And we had a random playlist on that played those two songs, and it changed our lives. So highly recommend. <laughs> That is so freaking cool. I want to do that so uh, bad. I actually may do I that tonight. I recommend it. And 
you know, just let me know if I turned out to be wrong. We can just find out like how fucked up I was. <laughs> all the it's, it's actually just like not lined up at all. It's just like it just sounds like people absolute are like, trash. What is she talking about? <laughs> For but real. the number of times that that I've done it and been pleased and impressed by it tell me that that is a legit thing that people should do. No, that's that's absolutely amazing, and I will one hundred percent be doing that. So, so, so that's kind of that. my my primary like rewatch of this but to circle it back yes this is the best mickey um it is the first time that he's drawn like this is where we started with that um and he's the way that he's drawn that we recognize him now like he looked like steamboat willie before which was like a really different looking character yeah. so he looks great everything about this is great he brutally murders a broom and we just see the silhouette of it and it's really really violent oh my God, a lot yeah. of this movie is really violent and not for kids um Nope. Everything about it was awesome. And that is my take on the Sorcerer's Apprentice piece of this. No, and it it was. It's a great part of it. And that's that's actually like my last note for this um this portion of it was something that I I started to notice while I was watching Sorcerer's Apprentice was Disney has a very at this time. Disney has a very weird relationship with animating water. Absolutely. So, like in Sorcerer's Apprentice, it looks amazing, mm-hmm. right? Like them pouring the water into the well, him carrying in the buckets, them him having to swim through it when he's you know commanding the stars with phenomenal cosmic <laughs> power. Uh, I just I thought. That looked really good, but then in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same fucking year as Pinocchio. Right. And the water in Pinocchio looks like shit. Well, all right, here's my answer to that, because I think I have one. I think Disney was doing great with water, just like Pixar. I think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn here to what those mm-hmm. kind of launches looked like, you know? And they're making their way through the challenge that is like water and hair, right? They're getting there. But. Yeah. Pinocchio, as we said at length, is really like half of that movie is coming from a different multiverse. And yeah, it's the water yeah. and Monstro and all all because we're talking about above surface water. We're not talking about the underwater scenes, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. Monstro. That's him thrashing about and chasing them. And that came from a different part of the multiverse. That came from wherever the fuck the blue fairy came from, right? Like that was, it's like drawn differently than the whole rest of the movie. So I think it's got this like weird outlier aesthetic that I'm willing to like overlook because it was this weird thing in Pinocchio that was happening. Yeah, that's a good point. I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll concede the, the, the dual artistry happening. (laughs) Pinocchio. I mean, nothing else oh, in yeah. Disney looks like that Pinocchio water. It didn't look like that in Snow White, I don't think. No, and that's what's so crazy to me. Um, so as we're going through the, you know, the film or whatever, and we get to the piece that's called um, the words that I can't remember. Where are my notes? <laughs> the Land Before Time. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. The one you called the Land Before Time, but it's like the it's, rights it is of the spring. Rights that's of what it spring. is. Yeah, and I. Yeah. It reminds me of Don Bluth a lot. That animation when I was a kid, like yeah. having not a lot of animation touch points, right? But having seen a lot of Land Before Time, mm-hmm. like the original Land Before Time, um, I thought it looked a lot like that. I thought the dinosaurs were animated similarly. So that's what's so crazy to me. I actually think they look so much more terrifying. Well, okay, that too, though. Like, like they definitely are scarier. 
Oh, yeah. But that's so like when we're going through the formation of the Earth, which, again, we're getting into really adult themes with this shit. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're watching evolution happen. We're watching like amoeba, you know, and all this stuff. And we're watching fish grow into land dwellers and all this crazy stuff. And then they grow feathers. But the dinosaurs don't grow feathers because in 1940, we didn't know that yet. Um, <laughs> or maybe we did and we just chose to ignore I it. I think we know. didn't know that. that. Yeah. I think um, we knew very precious little actually about dinosaurs in 1940. I think that's a good point. Um it, it this so like it shows the formation of the earth and like the flowing of lava from like volcanoes and stuff and that looks phenomenal, right? Like you can tell it's got some heft to it. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It's not like just water. Yeah. It's not just like molten water flowing or whatever. But but then we get to when it meets the ocean and I swear to God, when I was a kid, I used to think it was the wind. Oh, because it's so I thought white. it was combined. Because, yeah, because the way that the water is animated, it doesn't look like spray. It doesn't look like splashing. It's just like this weird, like, because my sound effect totally gives you a visual <laughs> on that. But it's just, it's, it was, it was very weird to go back and watch this as an adult and still think the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, I genuinely had to remind myself, like, oh, shit, that's, like, them forming new land and it falling in the water and cooling and shit. Like, it is kind of, there is mist there. Like, that's, that is what I think that is. And, like, the water later in Fantasia looks great, right? In the the centaur stuff, like, it doesn't look like that at all. It's also calmer. So, it's, like, they're kind of trying to figure out, they're trying to show how to do, like, tumultuous water, you know? But mm-hmm. they do a really good job of it in Sorcerer's Apprentice. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, everything in the Land Before Time section here looks great. It's totally terrifying. Um, it is. And it's also, like, hyper-violent. Yeah. That's what my tip, my notes are like. I'm like, this is yeah. so boring. This has been going on for, like, 20 minutes. And, oh, my God, that's a skeleton. That dinosaur's dead. We've been taught to care about that. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, it's, yeah. Dude. We watch a freaking pterodactyl get its face just like full on crushed yeah. by a, a mosasaur in the water. Like he just drags it underwater. And I'm like, is this Jurassic Park? I was going to say uh, that. It looks Jurassic like Jurassic Kingdom? World. It's the first one. Jurassic World. I'm a dumbass. That's Jurassic okay. Kingdom. Sorry. Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and let you get, not be a dumbass for that. We're okay. One no, of the Jurassic yeah. movies. <laughs> one yeah. of the Jurassic and movies. And we will yeah. get there. But uh, oh my god, I can't, I can't wait to get wait. there. I, but but yeah, very, I also had the same thought. That very similarly to that innocent babysitter, that thing gets demolished by the mosasaur. Oh my god, everything yeah. in there is terrifying. Like especially like when you realize like it looks like a bunch of like yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and say long necks um, in order to not end up being just fucking wrong here. <laughs> it's, It'll be like a brachiosaur or whatever it is, but that's what it looks like. It is a brachiosaur. Brontosaurus is not a real dinosaur. Thank you. All right. That's where I was like, one of them is not correct. Uh, Okay. So it it looks like brachiosaurus, like standing in the water, right? Like you might see in the first Jurassic Park and then it zooms in on them and it has incredible fangs and it turns out it's a mosasaur and it has the flippers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, oh, Jesus God, like, please go back. Like, that's terrifying. What is it doing out of the water? And then uh, it's just, they were, those dinosaurs are really scary. The T-Rex for sure scarier than land before time or og t-rex and yeah all of it is terrifying and 
it's the part like I definitely fast forwarded through this as a kid sometimes and also was like transfixed because dinosaurs right it was one of those times where I really did want to fast forward even now I'm like oh it's creepy and it goes on and on and on and the music isn't as gripping for me you know it's just sort of there visually this is my favorite but musically this is not my favorite this is probably my least favorite musical piece in the entire in the entire film and it's just creepy but it's funny because like i can hear it now but or like i can hear it and all i think of is the dinosaur part um and that actually that's what i was going to say about uh the four seasons the nutcracker part when i hear Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies, I actually think of Fantasia. I don't think of the Nutcracker. Right, same. Or, like, having seen... It's, like, that's that's how, like, early on in my life I saw this movie and, like, how ingrained into my memory this, this movie was. Well, and also, like, we may have gone to see the Nutcracker once a year, but how often was this on? You know? Like, the number oh, of times that yeah. we've heard Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies and seen this is... It's gonna be more. Like, our brains are probably pretty wired to see the everything yeah. going on there oh which speaking of uh what we forgot to mention at the start of this is the the warning right we've been kind of going over warning labels oh and yeah and this movie has one this movie is the first one right that we're watching that has the full-on contextual warning label uh yep cultural right. differences cultural and, sensitivity uh, signs of the time called. and stuff like culture and sensitivity yeah i can't remember what they call it but it's it's this is the big full screen one pinocchio just had the little tobacco mm-hmm. warning this one got the big full screen warning um and the parts of it that i i think were the most problematic have been taken out there's some scenes in the centaur stuff that we can talk about if we want that have been taken out totally but the in the dance of the sugar yeah. plum fairies there are some some mushrooms that it's not great um with asian stereotypes and i was like how is this like mm-hmm. i was surpri- i was kind of surprised they didn't pull it if they pulled the well, other so stuff that's... i don't know but it wasn't as bad yeah. as the, i don't know it's then then you're you know drawing equivalent seasons so i don't really know but i noticed that, that yeah. they did pull from this movie so and not the, that scene the only for for anybody who hasn't watched it in a while Basically, at the very beginning of Disney Plus films, if you're watching them, or Disney films, you're watching them on Disney Plus, very few films, but a lot of the classic Golden and Silver Age films, will have a message that reads following, this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of peoples or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and they are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. Disney is commuted. Wow. <laughs> Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. And then it gives you like a to learn more thing. Okay. Thank but, you. I think that's valuable to read out mm-hmm. loud. Yeah. So Disney did this much later than Disney Plus had launched. When Disney Plus first launched, this did not exist. And then a lot of people started to complain. I believe the first one that was complained about was Peter Pan. Makes sense. That tracks. Um, Yeah. And Dumbo, obviously, which again is why we're skipping it. Yeah, and obviously Dumbo for, for every conceivable reason. Yeah. But that's the thing. So the next, like, insulting portion of this movie actually comes from the the final piece in the film. Or the... 
No, the second to last piece. Um, which is... The centaurs. The Greek gods. Yeah. The centaurs, the Greek gods, all that stuff, which I'll, mythologically I'll get into that in a minute. But um, one of, and I honestly can't remember if this was part of the movie originally or if it's part of the like re-release. I feel like it's part of the original and they didn't cut it out. When the when Bacchus, the god of wine and frivolity, mm-hmm. first arrives, his um, shade is pulled by two. No, it might be four. Uh, four zebra centaurs of very clearly African orientation, both in culture and in complexion, and I thought that was really crazy to still have that in there because the one thing that is removed from the movie entirely is the other African-American uh, centaur who is portrayed uh, helping the female centaurs like get ready for their parade or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. Uh-huh. Um, and she's 100. She just is straight up cut out of the movie. Yeah, she's But I thought it was interesting that these other ones are still in it. I'm looking at it now, and... But also, the god of wine here is riding on one of the donkeys from Pinocchio. I just... I gotta throw that out there, except he's a unicorn. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I saw that too. won't die. Kill it with fire. I know, and I think what's interesting about that too is... The... They came out in the same year. So. Oh, jeez. So, it's like an Easter egg, huh? Yeah. Someone had to be like, dude, we should put this in there just like this. Like, <sighs> how crazy would that should be? Oh, my God. Well, that. All right. So, anyway, I think as, as everyone could tell where our, like, eye goes on this immediately is to the Pinocchio reference. Um, that's <laughs> what we're really more for. We're not going to do too deep of a dive on the rest of this stuff, but yeah. it's there. Um, I am surprised that that didn't get cut out, and and this is the first movie where we're getting that full-on kind of cultural contextual mm-hmm. warning. Um, yeah. So we are all over the place, which also this movie is all over the place. So going back to, do we have anything else that we want to say about um, the Land Before Time here? Honestly, the only thing is that I always think when it's when it's showing them like going through it and it shows the dinosaurs like burying or unburying food and that little one is trying to steal food from their holes i swear i always thought they had bread it looks like bread it looks like bread like what the hell is that supposed to look like are they rocks i don't get what they're eating i have no idea i also was like what's happening in this scene just uh, honestly though but like i don't know what happened at the end of this story if we're like it's sort of one of the loose ones right if there's some of the really specific stories this one's kind of like you tell me but like does the comet destroy them all at the end that was my question so that's the thing like if you listen to deems taylor talk about it before the piece begins he even says outright like we don't science doesn't know like what actually caused this it could have been their food source dying out or you know a major earthquake or a comet hitting we don't actually ever get to see the comet <clears throat> we just see a massive like you know the sun's blocked out there's no more food they're trying to find food um it's basically this movie is the land before time in reverse 
instead of right. going from like nothing to eat to an abundance in the Great Valley, they go from the Great Valley to oh shit, dude! Like we couldn't even find a leaf out here. Can't um, wait to talk about Land Before Time. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, uh, but all right, cool. I mean, so that happened. Like, it's, it's. I don't know. It's not my favorite, and yet I can't really look away when it's on the screen. Like, all of this movie. It's, it, I don't know. So I, I honestly wish I could agree, but the one that comes right after this is not... It's not my... I okay, think the it's one, one that comes, comes after right this. after this. Is this the soundtrack? No, so the soundtrack is cool. That's when we take the intermission. The, um, the soundtrack is when so we first come back from the intermission. Um, I like feel like I fast forwarded through this on my VHS every time. Like I honestly was like, is this new? What is this? Like I got yeah. nothing. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. What am I looking at? I honest to God think I must have accidentally skipped over it like 90% of the times that I've watched this movie, just going through the intermission. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's when I was rewatching it the other night, I thought that he appears at the beginning of it. To kind of explain like what we're doing and this is how sound works and shit. But I was way off. Yeah, he's he's introduced by Deems Taylor in uh, at the be- or the conclusion of the intermission, which I should have said this at the beginning, but it pains me so much that Deems Taylor did not narrate more th- things for Disney. I love I- his voice. Help me out on this because I was really confused. I felt like it's Strakowski. Strakowski. I thought that he was narrating this. I thought no. that was him. Like I thought, I thought that all the the orchestra is like actors, right? And other like it's the guys who did the score for like Cinderella's in there somewhere, like musicians from L.A. But that he was really there. That he really played himself as the conductor and he was speaking. No. So if you actually pay attention, when <laughs> burn. <laughs> No, I don't mean it like that, but, like, if you open your fucking eyes... If you just watch the movie, Lindsay, you would notice. If you just shut the hell up and watch the movie, like... Um, So, Deems Taylor comes on stage and introduces himself. He is, to be fair, he is dressed like a composer. He's got the tails. He's he's got it. Um, But when he introduces Igor Stokowski, he... It then shows another guy walking up the stairs facing the orchestra. And that's Igor Stokowski. Okay. Because so he really is there, but he he's is. not the guy talking. Correct. And the way that they kind of like remind you that they're two different people is after Sorcerer's Apprentice, Mickey comes out and talks to Igor Stokowski. Right. Not Deems Taylor. Because then it goes over to Deems Taylor. But you can also tell that Stokowski has no, like, acting experience because Mickey's just like, thanks for the piece, and that was really cool. This is the greatest Mickey impersonation of all time, by the way. (laughs) It wasn't Um, bad, actually. (laughs) But he, uh, Igor Stokowski is just like, thank you, Mickey. And then he walks away, and you're just like, that was fucking weird. Like, why? Okay, bye. (laughs) It's so fucking (laughs) random. I... I think it's. I feel like we have a different take on. Uh, is it who is it that is narrating it then? Deems Taylor. Deems, Deems Taylor? Taylor. Yeah. Deems Taylor. Yeah, because my note was like, because I thought it was Strakowski, right? And yeah. so I'm like, man, this guy's so flat. You can tell he doesn't know like what he's doing. <laughs> like he's talking about the dinosaurs, and it's like, 
it's just so 40s you know what i mean like yeah. he had a great narration voice but it was like he didn't have any sort of oomph you know where it's like it's the dinosaurs and they're here to you know fucking whatever they're gonna do like whatever's <laughs> happening in this it's just very like in the time of great lizards and like it was well done it was if you are like, <laughs> i'm gonna be so disappointed if you are not picturing that scene from mrs doubtfire when he's like, God, this guy used to put me to sleep when I was a kid. Who kept this? Oh, I know what up? you mean. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing right now. And he's just like, this is the Tyrannosaur. And he makes the mouth open and close really slow. And even the yeah. camera guy's falling asleep. That's exactly, exactly what I'm picturing right now. <laughs> That's how I felt about it. I was like, yeah. man, this just should be exciting. And also, I'm like, is this for kids, right? And if yeah. the answer seems to be no, then I'm like, okay, he's doing a great job. You know, like, I wouldn't want yeah. David Attenborough to, to narrate my kids' movie <laughs> either. But he's a god. And, you know, yeah. I love everything that he does. But I wouldn't want him to narrate my Disney movie necessarily, you know? So I, I guess that's, like, maybe part of it, too. I'm like, man, this should be exciting and... It is certainly not the way you're telling it. No, I know. And that's what's so funny to me is now that you've brought this up, I genuinely like I need to know who the fuck the target audience for this movie was. I can't like I just I can't handle it. Honestly, we'll get to it about Bambi because, oh, my God. Bambi is when my patience just was I was running on fumes. I really can't wait to talk about Bambi. Holy shit. Um, but yeah, he like, I can, I can see that. Like he, he basically is there to explain what's happening with the film, not really like tell the story. Yeah. He's there a little bit to just, he's like setting it up. Like it's, yeah. Why is Fantasia? Like, it's just very like, yeah, okay, sure. Like. Thanks for spoiling it, you know? Yeah. Like, a lot of the stories, he just, like, tells you what happens, like, start to finish. And I'm like, well, I mean, I was watching. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't <laughs> know. I just, I was like, I, but I think it's great. And it's part of what makes Fantasia great. Like, it's just fucking weird. And can you imagine if this was, like, Pixar's third movie? Oh, my I mean, God. Can you, can you imagine if Pinocchio was a bug's life, for oh, instance? Shit. Like, what, like, comparing it to that run, like, Disney is, like, taking major swings like what oh, was yeah. pixar's third movie it was toy story 2 and so that cannot what, be right was it, it really is. yeah holy shit i know and i know i'm positive of that off the top of my head but we do have the timeline if we need to look at it but that's cool need to refer to the timeline but yeah that was their third movie so pixar's over here playing it like safe as fuck disney puts out fantasia and Pinocchio in the same year after their first Disney princess movie three years prior and they're like are you guys still here for this like can you imagine like what is happening I but I guess this kind of thing though I mean it was it was done as a road show so for anyone listening who doesn't know this was like an old school thing that movies especially musicals used to do where they would go like out on the road and it was like an experience and the movie would travel so it wasn't just like a national release it was like fantasia's coming to my town on x day you know even though it may already have been in other places and so it was i mean and that was common at the time so maybe this was fine I mean, but it seems like a huge swing to me. It well, it, it definitely is, and I think that's the I think that's evident in um, the box office ticket. But yeah, I mean, at the t- 
<clears throat> at the time, I would say this was like par for the course for what people like had come to expect from, you know, like that traveling kind of like, yeah, like, see, I don't know. I wasn't there. I have no way of knowing. And it's kind of this movie's kind of like fucked me up on like what I'm supposed to be expecting from Disney at this point. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is what is Disney doing? What is their plan? And the fact that it is still another 10 years from now that they get their next princess movie. True. True, like, true, true, true. By the way, Walt I want to correct myself. Um, his name, I'm very sorry. I know I just watched this, but I, I only ever wrote his last name down. Um, his name is actually Leopold Stokowski, not Igor. Because I'm thinking Igor, Igor Stravinsky. Yes, yeah. Igor Stravinsky. I mean, I have heard that name. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my classical no, music realize. knowledge is just like real weak <laughs> yeah no that's fine i like yeah i was 100 percent like way off on that shit but <laughs> so it's funny that you keep talking about like you keep mentioning like fast forwarding because i actually when i was a kid i legitimately did fast forward through a single part in this movie and it's dance of the hours with the alligators and the hippos and the ostriches. Yeah, tell me why. I had a lot of feelings about this. Tell me it's, where you were at with this. To me, it's just so boring. And it's literally just about a thirsty-ass alligator who's, like, trying to bang this hippopotamus, which I'm not even going to go into the nonsense of science there. Right. But, first of all, there, there's just so many things. Again, I'm looking for meaning in a fucking Disney movie or like continuity and whatever. When the elephants are done doing their ballet, they get blown away by an unforeseen force, right? Like they're just they're blown away and they're they're gone. Then the alligators come, and then the alligators start running amok and pulling all of the other animals out of their hiding places, including the elephants. And my first thought in this rewatch was, where the fuck did the elephants come from? I thought they were gone. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, where are they? Why are they here still? I'm impressed that you were able to follow it that closely. Like, I just was like, what the fuck was my only comment. Like, it, it just is so weird. And how is it iconic? Like, it's the music is fine. The oh, concept it's like, is weird as anything. It, that's what I don't get. The music, everybody knows that music. That's the Camp Granada song. Yes. Yes. Everybody knows that shit. And like, I think my biggest question overall is just, why would you choose that music? And what what is the story being told here? Because I I just don't I just don't understand all of the other stories legitimately make sense. Well, and they they to be fair set this expectation very early on like when they're describing what is this myself. like what is Fantasia, right? They kind yeah. of answer this for me in the beginning. Although not why, but they're like some of this is just abstract, and that's that opening bit that we didn't even really talk about before the Nutcracker. That's just sound kind oh, of moving yeah. with picture, right? They're like some of it's really abstract, and it's not really anything. Some of it is a story if you want it to be, and some of it is the Sorcerer's Apprentice, right? And so this is sitting on the line between nothing and something, where it's like 
I don't know that there is a story here. There's just animals dancing around. And I mean, my biggest question from this was what came first, Daisy Duck or this animation? Because it was the uncanny valley of Daisy for me. Like, it has to be this first. I don't think Daisy Duck was introduced until like the 70s. All of the ostriches have her face, Mm -hmm. and it was so trippy. And it's something that I noticed a couple times in this movie. Like some of the dancing flowers in the Nutcracker are the same as the ones that are going to be in Alice in Wonderland, like a long time later. Oh yeah, so you'll actually notice that a lot in the Silver Age. Yeah, they take a lot of rotoscoping from older films and yeah. just paste it literally right into their movie. A perfect example is Snow White dancing during that needless dance number in. Well, it's in White. Robin Hood, right? It's in Everybody's Robin Hood. Yeah, Maid yeah. Marian's dancing to it. And yeah. they do it again with Robin Hood to Jungle Book. Yeah, they do. Uh, Baloo and Little John. Yeah. First of all, they're right. voiced by the same Baloo exact and person. John. Yeah, and they're drawn the same. Like, yeah, they are but the they're same. the exact same freaking thing. Well, there's a great meme about Baloo traveling the multiverse that includes oh, that and also that. like tailspin and like oh, the number of pet, like and it's something that no it's not even it's it's a rip on like stargate and it's like oh. he never knew like which jump was going to be the jump home the jump home <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah baloo has many incarnations and this is one of the spots where you start to see that and and alice in wonderland comes out in 1951 11 years later and they're developing this another three years prior so it is mm-hmm. crazy how much they go back and like use their golden age stuff in the silver age and uh, and i think we'll talk about it when we get there like like cinderella's in the silver age everybody mm-hmm. newsflash was newsflash to me yeah like there's the golden age ends with bambi and we go into this wartime era that people forget about and like we're going to talk about that in a couple episodes when we talk about uh the wind and the willows Yay. which i am like so excited but anyway um so this is all weird, and I think we can just it's 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 fucked up and weird, and let's move on from it. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. even know. Like there it is. We also need to talk about the. I mean, we talked a little bit about the centaurs, but that does happen in here. I think right before the ostriches, and it's actually right after or right before. Right after. So right the before. ostriches happen it's right before. before. In my notes. Oh shit! Let me look it up because you can. I have it the other way around in my by... notes. I have it centaurs first. The centaurettes, as they're described yeah. by... Uh, oh, it by, is first. You're right. I'm sorry. That's pastoral. Uh, that's uh, Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 6. Sure. <laughs> I'm just... I'm here to educate. The more you know. It's, I know. This is what but, we need, right? Like, yeah. The more you know. Um, the more you know. Yeah. So that was... Uh, yeah. Pastoral takes place... Or happens before Dance of the Hour. Yeah, and which then is we the go right is. into yeah, and then we go right into my favorite. It's just, and I'm gonna, yeah. Do we have anything to say about the centaurettes? I mean, they're the, honestly the only thing I have. Super super thirsty. It it really is, and genuinely the only thing I have is Deems Taylor mixes up his explanation of the gods because he mixes Greek and Roman gods, Bacchus, Vulcan, and um. Diana are Roman gods, but Zeus, Iris, and Morpheus are Greek gods. So, perfect example is Vulcan, the guy who forges the lightning bolts, is actually Hephaestus. 
in Greek mythology. They're essentially the same exact person in both mythologies. Rome was just like, dude, those are dope ass gods. Can we take those? And they just changed their names and kept them like that. I thought, which one's the god of wine that gets brought in with the zebra That's Bacchus. That's Bacchus. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Because there's also like a dude up in the clouds with Zeus. I thought there's another dude up there. That's Vulcan slash Hephaestus. Got it. Okay. But I... but I thought Hephaestus was Bacchus. No? No. My Percy Jackson taking You're, me wrong. I got a different name. Hephaestus was the forger. Which is the one that's in Percy Jackson that's the god of wine? I'm looking that up right now. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Just, my knowledge is like really basic on this. Dionysus. Uh, okay. All right. So, yeah, I just have it totally. Just ignore me. Just <laughs> cut all of that. <laughs> um. I'm keeping that in because you told me to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, I know very little. Uh, Scott knows a lot about this, but but it was all super thirsty and it was yeah. crazy. And um, I really it's that one was always my favorite sequence because it's so pretty. Yes, it, is. it was just so beautiful. It was so beautifully animated. I think it might be like the prettiest stuff that Disney's drawn to this point, maybe with the exception of the Nutcracker stuff before it, which was mm-hmm. which was like so elegant the way it was drawn. And I, even though there's a lot of this movie that like isn't my favorite, that sometimes I did fast forward through as a kid, a lot of it is just so like I get why kids sat through it. Like I ask who it's for, but at the same time, it's so beautiful that yeah. I get it. And my only other comment on that scene is the at the end of it, right, the whole thing is everybody's out playing and they're having a great time and there's the Pegasus and the centaurs and it's super mm-hmm. thirsty and everyone's having a great summer. And Zeus makes it rain and thunder because he just like fucking feels like it and then he takes a nap and everybody wakes yeah, up from the rain like, and there's oh. a big rainbow, right? How is, there's like a woman there's like a character who brings the rainbow over everything and there's pegasus <laughs> flying with her how is this not like the ultimate pride icon today i know it is missing from the present zeitgeist she needs to be brought back like yeah. i restore the rainbow lady like she is awesome so. i don't see that's let me see because i'm pretty sure that's diana Oh, oh it's she actually Iris. Is, I'm sorry. It's no, I'm sorry. It's not it's, just Rainbow Lady. <laughs> no, it's not just Rainbow Lady. Um, no, it's Iris. Um, she was the personification of the rainbow and a messenger of the gods. Well, so even more so, why isn't she an incredible pride icon? If she's the, I know, like that's a real thing. It's not just Fantasia. Like that's no, the, it's yeah, <laughs> full on like a real mythological then, god. I can't believe that's that. Now that I'm thinking about that, that is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm kind of like feeling like next June we need to get something going. Like this is right. <laughs> next year. Note to self, we'll Justice bring her for back. Iris. Yeah, seriously. Like I, that's kind of a missed opportunity. There's somebody has money to be made there. Um, but all right, t- tell me, Scott, why should I not turn the movie off when they tell us that we're going into the last act and it's this <laughs> devil guy? Why is that not when I should turn off the VHS and go outside and play? Tell because, me why I shouldn't do that. First of all, it's just a visual feast. It is so, so amazing. Dude, it is just... I love the music, first of all. First and foremost, the music is A Night on Bald Mountain, which is obviously that's what the piece is called. But um, right off the bat, we're already giving people misinformation. Um, 
Deems Taylor says that this is Satan himself uh, summoning his horde of undead and spirits uh, for one night of frivolity at the peak of Bald Mountain. Um, that's not true at all. The demon at the top of the mountain is named Chernabog, and it's based on a Slavic deity they also called the Black God. And he was basically the... <laughs> Yeah, I guess he kind of is like their Satan or whatever, but I think it does a huge disservice to that era of culture to call him Satan. Because, I mean, yeah, he fucks around with fire and he summons all these spirits or whatever, but the thing that I think is really crazy about this, and originally, if uh, you didn't see it, that scene, that piece of the film was originally cut from the theatrical release of the movie. Really? Yeah. Because test parents who saw the movie said that their children were having such immense and detailed nightmares that they didn't want that scene in the movie. Well, fucking there you go. Because I, and as we will have, I'm sure, a great time finding out at Halloween, I am not a big fan of scary stuff. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, like, I'm I'm like, can we do Hocus Pocus and not the Halloween movies? fuck yeah, dude. We're doing Hocus Pocus and it. Oh, God. Okay, no, it I can get to act. It's like, all right, we'll talk about that in October. Yeah. However, it's not my favorite. I'm not great with it. There's very select scary things that I like and mm-hmm. a lot of scary stuff that I don't. And I think that I was definitely one of those kids who had, like, horrible nightmares. And it was, I mean, I distinctly, I had, like, a visceral experience when, when uh, Deems Taylor said, this is the last piece in the in the film right we're moving yeah. into the last section i was like nope okay thanks a lot like i appreciate that heads up i am the fuck out of here that was it that was like i didn't want a single frame of that to cross my retinas because i would never sleep again and honest to god i worked hard to keep that on this time like i, I was like nope that's when it's time to turn the movie off like, that's what i think is so crazy because that portion of the the overall like piece is very short it's like maybe six minutes it's just all of it that's scary though it's like the town's flooded and they use like different animation on like the ghosts it looks a lot like the haunted mansion haunted mansion thank you i almost said haunted manor and i don't want to get that (laughs) at disney world as a kid which i'm sure surprises no one and i mean like it looked a lot like that and the ghost that follows you home all night but I insisted on going on the ride over and over again and like scaring myself and I think a lot of what's in this movie like reminds me of that and it's it's the animation is is wild and they used like new techniques to do it and it's absolutely terrifying I think the whole sequence is terrifying it's not just the devil like everything about this is so scary well and here here's the interesting thing to me about it and I actually wanted to point this out during um, the centaur scene as well. There's legitimate nudity in this movie. Yes. Like, if you look close enough, and I'm not saying I walked up to my TV with a magnifying glass, but <laughs> if you look close enough at the beginning of um, Symphony Number no. 6, Pastoral, um, the as the centaurettes are coming out of the water, they don't have tops on. Dude, it's not even if you're looking closely. Enough. I know it's like, like legit just, the first thing I notice. Like yeah. they just come out with nothing on, and then it's weird because 
I mean, none of the dudes have a shirt on, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody has nipples, but they have breasts, like very clearly drawn. And some of them just never put a shirt on again. And they just go through the rest of the sequence that way. Some of them have like something around their waist. Mm -hmm. And some of them them have like tube tops made of like flowers or their hair is covering them or. Well, some of them have both, right? They have something mm-hmm. over their boobs, and then they also had something over their waist. Like when the human part meets the horse part of the centaur, yeah. they had like a lay, like a flower lay, and some of them don't. Yeah. Right. So it's totally, it's totally weird. There's a ton of nudity there. Well, that and I that's just that's what it is. With, how um, they got away with it. Uh, well, I don't either. That's what I'm saying. Like with Night on Bald Mountain, the fire uh, succubus that he summons, they're all nude. And they're very drawn that way. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, who was like, no, that's cool. We'll keep that in. Obviously, the whole thing was cut originally, but whatever. Like, who, again, why is Fantasia? Yeah, who is this movie for? I think that's going to be the overall statement of this episode is why is Fantasia? And I think, like, I think probably people at the time if they were to have that question posed to them, would probably be able to answer it really easily. I feel like this probably wasn't as out there as it feels like. It's it's really impossible to tell. Like, I just don't know what the interpretation of it would have been at the time, but for sure now it's like, wh- why and for whom? What, yeah. is going, what is going on? This yeah. movie? And it's fucking awesome. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, and Fantasia's great. It is. That's the thing. Like, so I'm glad you said that. So I'm going to lead us right into your rating. I want to know what you gave this movie. So, incredibly, I gave this movie a 7 out of 10. So did I. Because it's just, it is just objectively good. Like, there's just, there's nothing about this that doesn't make it, like the peak of the golden age of Disney because let us not forget Cinderella's not in this age this mm-hmm. ends with with fucking Bambi and like this is really some of the best stuff out of the golden age and it's iconic and it's just it's just beautiful yeah. the animation holds up like in yeah. most of the sequences mm-hmm. I would it's, have to agree it's really really good and the fact that I think it it can while the, their question still remains whether this is for children i really yeah. feel like it it kept my attention as a kid clearly it kept yours too like and that's tough i can't imagine this selling today but um it, it really allowed yeah. me to like use my imagination which i think is valuable and so this movie's a 7 out of 10 for me. This crushes. This is like peak Golden Age Disney. Yeah. I would actually have to say this is probably the best film from the Golden Age. I think so. Yeah. I It just... This is the one I think of the most if I... Like, now that I know the categories. <clears throat> and like when the Silver and the Golden Age ended and everything. Which... Mm-hmm. I still don't understand why they're called... Why it's called the Golden Age. Because... Well, I mean, I do. And we'll get to that later. But whatever. Um, my only genuinely my only problem with this movie is this is the only feature length animated Disney film with an intermission. Yeah, and, and it's, weird. it's it's just long. 
because again who is this for i know i think <laughs> I know. it's a lot of it is like us trying to put it into a frame of being a disney movie if this was a two-hour marvel movie or jurassic park movie we'd be like the fuck like oh, where's yeah. my dinosaurs i know but because it's a disney movie i'm like it's two hours long yeah. like it's so it's 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 like how we're framing it too and like god only knows who this was made for honestly i mm. walt alone i i think it was yeah. made for walt I think that's who this. I think that's why Fantasia is because Walt Disney. Yeah, he was just like fuck it, whatever. He was crazy. That's really my takeaway. Is Walt was just out there for for the lols, right? He was just yeah. like <laughs> doing it for the meme before the meme was a meme. Exactly. Yes, he's out there for the likes. Like he's just like, let's just see what the fuck happens in this, and 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 I'm here for it. I love it, but I mean. Yeah. How about, I mean, I think both of us were basically saying, like, poo-poo to this question even, but how about the villain death or just the villains of this Yeah, movie? I'm not, I can't even address that because there really is no linear story for anything. I mean, what what is it? Uh, Zeus is kind of like a fun sucker a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, hey, check it out. Like, you guys are having a cool party? Guess not. But then he, he just goes away after that. He's just like, oh, all right, I'm done. Whatever. Cool. Bye. And then they get to have their party. And right. like there, there really is no, no good guy or bad guy in this. So Zeus I, is the closest. Yeah, I would agree. Honestly, that's like, yeah, that's that's probably the the closest I'm gonna get to like a villain. So for yeah. for me, be, for Zeus is just the his flex of just yeah fucking up everybody's day like it's nothing and then just like going and taking a nap also like it's nothing yeah that flex is 10 out of 10 for me so this movie gets a one out of 10 on its villain just because mm-hmm. that moment was dope yeah. and, and i'll change that, my answer yeah i'll give it a one out of 10 for that because that shit's hilarious now that I'm one for zeus's flex yeah. that's so fucking funny <laughs> like yeah for that alone i was like yeah all right that was like a really good like character <laughs> moment for this <laughs> like um so I think that uh, that about wraps it up for Fantasia. Oh, we'll never wrap up Fantasia until we get these questions answered. But yeah, I mean, as far <laughs> as this episode, um, yeah, I think that that just about does it. Uh, as always, guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Um, you know, reliving all these movies and this music and getting to teach Lindsay about Igor and Leopold <laughs> Stokowski and that deems taylor is his own person (laughs) (laughs) that's a revelation i know just breaking it down for you um but yeah stay tuned for next episode we finally get to talk about bambi which you guys are gonna i don't know i mean maybe you'll enjoy it i get to fully unload on this movie we're gonna save you having to watch bambi Uh, oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah that's what it is we're gonna be super goddamn heroes and we're yes we're gonna watch Bambi so that you don't have to we're gonna open your blinding eyes (laughs) blinded eyes but anyway until that fun day uh stay nerdy guys thanks everybody